Welcome to this week's virtual drasha. I'd like to begin by thanking Rabaran Raskis for dedicating this week's drasha in honor of the forthcoming wedding of his children, Michal Raskis, to Jacob Sachs. We hope that in the merit of our Talmud Torah, the Chassidin Kala, will get married and experience a life filled with incredible simcha, bracha, and shefa. We have the incredible privilege this week to read Parshas Kisisa. And Parshas Kisisa contains perhaps one of the most heartbreaking, enigmatic episodes contained in the entire Torah, the sin of the golden calf, the Cheta Egel. And it's a story we're familiar with. Moshe Rabbeinu ascends the mountain. Forty days and forty nights, he is in direct communion with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Lechem lo'achalti ma'im sisi. I didn't eat, I didn't drink. It's just HaKadosh Baruch Hu and Moshe Rabbeinu. And then in the middle of all this, HaKadosh Baruch Hu turns to Moshe and he says, Stop! Lech raid, get out of here, go back down. Kishich samcha, for your nation has corrupted itself. And that communion is interrupted. Moshe Rabbeinu returns back down to the camp with the tablets in hand. And then the Torah records something amazing. This is in Parak Lamed Beis, Pasek Yotesh, chapter 32, verse 19. So the Torah writes, Vahi kasher karav machana. Moshe Rabbeinu is coming down the mountain. He's approaching closer to the machana, to the camp. Vayares ha'egel, and he saw the golden calf. Umecholos, and he saw not only they build a calf, but they are playing instruments. They were dancing or they were celebrating around the calf. Vayichar af Moshe. Moshe Rabbeinu gets so angry. Vayashlech miyodaves haluchos. He threw down the luchos. Vayishaber osam tachas hahar. Ultimately again, and he breaks them at the base of the mountain. And the Mepharshim raised a very interesting question. Why did Moshe Rabbeinu have to break the luchos? Why did he have to break the tablets? After all, I understand you don't want to give it to the Jewish people right now. That, that's fine. Put them down. Say, can you hold these for me? Can, can, you, can, I, can I deposit them here? Or just leave them on the mountain? Trust me, no, no one's coming to steal the luchos. So why don't you just go ahead, put them down on the mountain, descend down to the camp, see what's going on, try to fix whatever's going on, and that's it. Remember, these were not ordinary tablets. As the Torah itself tells us, these tablets were written They were written by none other than the Ribbon Shalom himself. So it wasn't just that the tablets contained the law. It's the tablets contained the law as written by the Ribbon Shalom. So holy, so magnificent, so incredible. So why break them? Just put them down. Don't deliver them right now to Kalali, so I'll come back for them later. And the Mepharsha and the commentaries give a variety of different answers. The Svarno explains that Moshe Rabbeinu just felt that the people were so profoundly undeserving of this gift. They were so undeserving of the Luchos that Moshe Rabbeinu felt this is not just the question of I'll put it down and get it to them later. They were undeserving of it. So because they were undeserving of it, he just chose to, just chose to, to break it, just to throw it down to smash it. Other commentaries, the Eben Ezra and others explain that in fact it was different. The luchos were exceptionally heavy, exceptionally heavy. But there was a miracle and Moshe Rabbeinu was able to go ahead and summon up superhuman strength in order to carry the tablets. But as Moshe Rabbeinu descend, descended the mountain and saw that the Jewish people had engaged, whether it was an act of idolatry or just a terrible avera, Tashash Koho, his strength left him. His strength left him. So some of the commentaries explain it's not as much that Moshe Rabbeinu threw down and broke the luchos, but rather they fell out of his hands. He simply lacked the superhuman strength. As he came down from the mountain, he was girded with this superhuman strength. But when he saw the aver that they had committed, the strength left him and the luchos simply fell out of his hands. But I want to share with you another approach. 
there's an incredible and magnificent story told about the great tzaddik, Rav Shmelka of Nikolsburg. Rav Shmelka of Nikolsburg was not just a great Talmud Chochem and one of the great Hasidic luminaries, one of the great Rebbes of his time, but Rav Shmelka of Nikolsburg was also known as an incredible Baltzdaka, an incredibly charitable individual, to the point that Mamish, he would give away, you know, the last dollar from his pocket. Whatever he had, if someone in need came to him, he would go ahead and share whatever he had, even if it was the last little bit with another. And so the story is told that one time a poor person showed up at the Rebbe's home. Knocks on the door, Rav Shmelka opens the door, says, Yes, Rabbi Yid, how can I help you? And this, this impoverished Jew begins to tell his sob story about, again, how he has no money, how he had a whole bunch of bad business deals, all budgeting, down on his luck, everything. The Rebbe begins to get very emotional. He reaches into his pockets, no money. He reaches into the Bekisha, no money. He runs into his study. He opens the drawer where he normally used to keep some, some tzedakah funds, no money. He looks all around the house, there is no money. There is no money. So finally the Rebbe has an incredible idea. The Rebbe says he goes upstairs and he goes into his Rebbetzin's jewelry box. Now, don't try this at home. No matter how charitable you're feeling. If you're a Rebbe of Nicholsburg, maybe you can get away with stuff like this, but for the rest of us, don't do this. So the Rebbe went up to the, his wife's jewelry box and he found the ring. Found the ring. Rebbetzin didn't have much jewelry. He found the ring. And he comes running downstairs to the Ani, to the pauper, says, Here, Rebid, here's the ring. Hopefully this will help you. Hatzlocha Rabba. The Ani offers, the poor person offers his effusive thanks. And he leaves the house. A couple of minutes later, the Rebidzin comes home. The Rebidzin comes home. And she sees that the Rebbe was upstairs in the jewelry box. And she sees that her one piece of jewelry, her ring, is gone. She comes down and she starts yelling at Rav Shmelka. She starts yelling at her husband. What did you do? What did you do? We have no possessions. We have nothing. I had one piece of jewelry, one ring, and you gave it away. She said, do you know how much money that ring was worth? That ring was worth 25 gold pieces. The Rebbe says, give out. It was worth 25 gold pieces. I had no idea. He throws on his coat, runs out of the house, and begins in hot pursuit of the honey of the pauper. So now the pauper is on his way, mamish today, great day. Luck has changed, everything is wonderful. Suddenly he, he sees behind him that Rav of Nicholsburg is running in his direction. So the Ani picks up the pace a little bit. You know, again, I'm sure the Rebbe is not running out of things, probably running somewhere else, but you know what, now I'm running a little bit late. Let me pick up the pace a little bit. And Shemelka keeps running faster. And the Ani keeps running a little bit faster, trying to avoid eye contact with Shemelka. No, no, he can't be running after me. Until finally the Rebbe calls out to him, wait, wait, I have to tell you something. I have to tell you something. So the Ani figures, all right, I mean, again, it's not too hard to string together how this story unfolds, right? In other words, the Rebbe was very generous. The Rebbetzin came home. It's her only ring. She got upset. The Rebbe is probably coming to go ahead and, and take it back. Apologize. So the Ani stops and says, Rebbe, Rebbe, yes, what, what can I need? What, what, what can I do for you? How can I help? And the Rebbe says, panting, out of breath, the Rebbe says, you know that ring I gave you. That ring I gave you. Remember, you were just at my house a few minutes ago. I gave you, I gave you that ring. I gave you that ring. And the Ani says, yes. And of course, the pauper is ready for the next sentence. Of course, the next sentence is going to get have it back. The Rebbe Reb Shemelka takes the Ani's hand in his own and he says, I just want to tell you, it's worth 
a lot of money. It's worth 25 gold pieces. Make sure you don't undersell it. It's worth 25 gold pieces. Make sure you don't sell it for pennies. Make sure you don't undersell it. Rav Shmelka was teaching us an incredible lesson. He was concerned that the Ani, the pauper, didn't appreciate the treasure he had in his hand. We just think, hey, it's a nice ring, but I had no idea that it was worth a small fortune, 25 gold pieces. So Rebbe tells him, make sure, don't give away your treasure. Make sure not to undersell. Don't give it away for pennies. And the lesson is so profound. Because the Rebbe is teaching us that sometimes in life, at the end of the day, we possess so many beautiful gifts, but we may not fully appreciate their value. You know, it's human nature to often focus on what we lack. And it's human nature to focus on what's broken, deficient, or in a state of disrepair. But when it comes to our brachas, sometimes we see things, oh yeah, it's a bracha, it's very nice. But we don't appreciate the true value of the treasures we have. Do you know what it means to have a loving marriage? Do you know what it means to have a spouse who loves you, a husband who loves you, a wife who loves you? Do you know how many people suffer in loneliness and don't have that beautiful treasure? Do you know what it means to be blessed with children? We all know someone who is struggling with fertility and that pain, that pain from the unrealized dream, the unrealized potential, the unrealized identity of being a mother or a father, the treasure of having a child. And you could go down the list, the treasure of having a friend, the treasure of having food in the refrigerator, the treasure of having a couple of dollars in your pocket, even if you'd like some more. Life is filled with so many treasures. What about the treasure of being a Jew? You know, sometimes we become so focused on the challenges of Yiddishkeit, or maybe the challenges of the Jewish people, or sometimes maybe we could be a little bit difficult, or maybe we see things in the greater community, and we become feel disappointed or disillusioned. But what about the great treasure of being a Jew? What about the great treasure of having a Torah, of having 613 mitzvahs, of having the ability to forge a meaningful and passionate relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu? These are treasures, but all too often we only assess them, we only value them for pennies on the dollar. And Reb Shmelka says to the Ani, I've just handed you a treasure, don't sell it for pennies on the dollar. And perhaps... This is why Moshe Rabbeinu broke the Luchos. Because when Moshe Rabbeinu saw that the Jews had brought the eagle, had built the eagle, and he saw that they were celebrating, and again, Chazal tell us there was immorality, there was a whole bunch of other stuff going on, he realized something very profound. You guys, you nation of Israeli people, you don't really appreciate the treasure. You don't really value the treasure. You don't understand what it is that I was carrying down for you. I was carrying down the physical embodiment of love and relationship between the King of Kings, the Melech Malachim, and man. A contract, a document, tablets that concretized and solidified a relationship. And you don't value it. You don't value it. So what good is going to come? What good is going to come if you don't value this treasure? If it's worth it for you to sell this treasure for a golden calf 
and a couple of trumpets, if that's what you're willing to give all of this away for, then you clearly don't see the value of the treasure. And if you don't see the value of the treasure, Moshe Rabbeinu says, then I can't let you have it. So this wasn't an issue of simply placing the tablets down and coming back for them later. When Moshe Rabbeinu saw what had happened, he realized that Klal Yisrael sold their treasure, the most precious treasure, the treasure of relationship with Hashem, for pennies on the dollar. And if that's how you treat the treasure, Moshe Rabbeinu says, I'm sorry. I just can't bring myself to deliver it to you. And dear friends, what an incredible lesson. Moshe Rabbeinu is teaching us, and Rabbi Shmelko of Nicholsburg are teaching us, to take the time to appreciate our treasures and to take the time to ascribe the proper value to our treasures. Like I said before, we get so down in life on all of the things that are not working well. And we get so down in life about all of the things that we feel are just misfiring. But are we truly aware of the value of our treasures? Do we really understand that the ring is worth 25 gold pieces? And I think what we each have to do, and I think it's an incredible exercise, is every day, just take a few moments by yourself with yourself. What are my treasures? And ask yourself, how much is that treasure worth to you? If somebody were to ask you, how much is your spouse worth to you? I know maybe you, some people have to be careful how they answer that question. How, how much? How much is my wife? How, how much is that, is that love? Is that relationship? N not all the money in the world. And that's one treasure. And can I Nahara, my six children, each of them a treasure by themselves? How much money? And my dear parents, how much money? And my siblings, how much money? Each of these things. And I realize, I come out of this conversation recognizing I'm the wealthiest person in the world. I possess storehouses of treasure. I just have to be mindful to always ascribe to them the proper valuation. This was the lesson of Moshe to Klav Yisrael. This was the lesson of Rav Shmelko of Nicholsburg to the pauper. And it's the lesson we must learn and live each and every day. Appreciate your treasures. Value your treasures. Take stock of your treasures each and every day. Wishing everyone a good Nerev Shabbos and a beautiful Shabbos Kodesh.